The global pandemic changed the way teachers engage with learning technologies. In this podcast, we try to filter out the clutter and noise around technology tools and focus on the essential questions of pedagogy that drive meaningful learning experiences. You're joining Alicia Gallegos-Betters, Michelle Hoster-Thompson, and Pamela Rabin for our podcast series. EdTech. If you didn't know, now you know. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our EdTech podcast, Made for Learning, How the Conditions of Learning Guide Teaching Decisions. If you've been following along, we have covered chapters one through four. We are now on chapter five, which is one of my favorite chapters because it deals with student engagement. My name is Alicia Gallegos-Butters. I'm here today with my colleagues, Pamela Rabin and Michan Hochter. We are here today to discuss student engagement. Welcome. With chapter five and student engagement, our first question is what our thoughts are on engagement just in general and as it relates to the integration of technology. Well, one thing I really, I loved about this chapter is that it started off with what isn't engagement. I always like to know what it is not before I start talking about what it is. The three things that they brought up, I found very interesting. And they said, what's not engagement is compliance, entertainment and motivation. The motivation one I will say kind of threw me off a little bit, but the compliance and the entertainment really resonated with me because especially with technology, for instance, if we do a Zoom and if all the students have their cameras on, that to me is compliance. It's not necessarily engagement. It just means that their cameras are on. And then entertainment, I think about how many of us as educators have used technology to quote unquote entertain our students. Oh, here's a YouTube video. Be entertained. We just finished reading this book. Now you're going to watch the movie. Be entertained. It's not really doing a deeper dive in the learning that they just did. It's just kind of keeping them entertained in a different in a different format. Like um, cahoots sometimes. Exactly. I like that they started with that. I think that idea of entertainment is also interesting because gamification can be motivating for some students in that sense, but is it actively engaging them in thinking about how the content is relating to their own lives? Is it something that they're really highly interested in or want to take a deeper dive in? Because I think when you're driven by your own internal motivation, then you are more engaged because you want to find the answers. You want to understand how it can be related to your own life and or people that you know around you. Well, and so often I think there's a disconnect when teachers are learning new tool, new tech tools and they're excited about, oh, I just learned how to use this tool or that tool. This is going to be really engaging for my kids. And it's not the tool that's engaging. It may be entertaining to try something new, but it's how you use the tools and it's the learning, right? So they talk a lot about constructivist classrooms. So the kids are doing the learning by using these tools in certain ways versus just using a tool, just like we talked about with the cahoots. I've seen cahoots used in ways where it's helping kids to learn concepts versus just let's be excited and engaged in the learning because we're doing a cahoot and kids are competing and answering the questions, right? Like at the end of a week 
often. It's more used in an entertainment kind of way rather than helping kids to solidify that learning that they've done. Absolutely. I do like the conversation of motivation. So a student may be motivated by a new tool, but what is the the learning that's going into it? Are they enhancing the learning? Are they taking a deeper dive in what it is that they're supposed to be mastering? What technique, what skill? So I like the fact that we are talking a little bit about motivation is not the same as engagement. I was reading an article and it had a scenario in it where there wasn't technology other than a microphone being used. And that microphone was being used by the teacher. But the idea of chanting, like being very culturally responsive, the kids were completely engaged, but it went along with the fact that the teacher had set very high expectations, were learning fractions on day three of the school year, and we're chanting through them. We're, we're helping kids learn the process that they need to use for denominators and common denominators and all the different pieces of fractions. A tech tool could have been used. Mm-hmm. But because the teacher knew their students so well, chanting was a large part of their daily lives in church, at home, jump rope, whatever. That teacher knew that the chanting was going to be the way to go with kids. I think engagement how Deborah and Brian are talking about it is really about knowing your kids really well and what it is that will be both motivating and engaging for them to dig deep into the learning. Sometimes I think that the motivation is just understanding why you're doing what you're doing to some degree, see the larger picture. So when we are asking kids to do skills in isolation and they don't really understand how that works, I mean, you can have a very exciting video game that teaches phonic skills in isolation and kids can seem like they're very engaged in it but are they really learning you know is that we get to that entertainment idea versus the learning idea so when we see students using a technology or a tool to kind of put all the puzzle pieces together that's an interesting type of engagement to me so we always talk about constructivist learning but it's also when tools can help students to construct their understanding of the content then that's to me is engagement so it might not be that they absolutely love the content, which would be kind of entertaining. I understand why I'm using this tool to kind of sort through the information or to put these things into a graphic organizer. I understand why I'm talking to other people about what my thinking is right now. It's helping me to put the pieces together. I understand why I'm trying on this one reading strategy because it's going to help me get to the larger understanding of the text that I'm reading. So when technology is kind of in the background facilitating that work, I think that that's a good integration of technology and and that's the kind of engagement that I think we're looking for. So if the technology can support the belief that you are the doer of the learning, then it's a good engagement. And I think, I'm trying to think of what technologies I've seen students doing with that. But I mean, I do think when they're creating their own Google slideshows and they know they're going to be presenting it, there's a degree of engagement there because they have to decide what's going to go in the slide, what's not, understand the information at a certain level, and then be able to take these possibly disparate parts and put them together in a, in a larger piece. I always think of engagement of the theory of flow. I remember when I was in the classroom and 
our classroom used to be two blocks long, so it was two hour periods for certain subjects. I was an English teacher, so my subject was a two hour period. The best compliment I ever got from a student was when the student told me, this class goes by so fast, I don't realize it's a two hour class. To me, that's engagement because they talk about this in the book. A lot of things are going on outside of what you're doing. Your brain is constantly filtering out things. Even in this podcast, if we think about what has been happening, Bashan had a siren go by, I've had a dog bark, but I'm able to put all of those things aside and just focus on this because I'm engaged. I'm engaging with my text. I'm engaging with you all in this conversation. And when we can use technology to do that with students, I think that's really great. Or even low tech, it doesn't need to be a computer program. I remember when I worked with artists, I used to always put pipe cleaners and Play-Doh and all sorts of other stuff there on the table to keep their hands engaged with help. And that also helped keep their brains engaged in what it was we were doing. It's really getting, Pam, you mentioned getting to know the students to find out what that engagement is. It's not always a high-tech way to engage our students. So in the conversation, I've heard all four of the principles of engagement that they highlight in the chapter, the being doers of the behavior. Like I can see myself doing that and therefore I can learn it. As you were saying, Pam, being the doer, you also mentioned having it be relevant to their lives right? So it's important to know. I want to learn fractions because I know I'm going to use them. I know it's important. I know I need to, when we're cutting up the pizza or we're sharing cookies or when I'm having to plan some project with other people, lots of different reasons for using fractions in our lives. When we bring in technology relative to the learning, oftentimes we teach, for instance, like how to make a slide deck. Knowing how to do that is not just important for school, but you can use it in in the world of work. You could be using it in in lots of different ways. You could create a slide deck for family at another get together. Like there's reasons for learning this and therefore we want to teach it. It's not really about the tech, but it is about the tech all in the same. And it's the how we're using it and the reasons why that we help students to see that makes it so that they understand it's important to their lives. I think that idea about the doers that you just mentioned a minute ago, and I loved in the book how they called it aboutitis. We've seen instances in classrooms where teachers default to a very teacher-driven curriculum. And they were talking about demonstrations in the book and how they're important to engagement And I think as ed tech people, we can fall into this trap too about, like you said, it's about the tech. We want the students to learn the slide deck, but then it's also about letting kids just jump in and and do it. So when we're teaching adults, one of the things we've learned during the pandemic was we had to really back off of teaching and not letting people get their hands on the technology and try it. We didn't want to get into that about-itis thing where we're constantly telling them, this is what you're going to do and this is how it's going to work. And here's this button over here and here's that button over there and you're going to use it. And by the time we get through the hour, they might get five minutes of practice time. So putting that doing piece at the forefront of technology, I think is really important. Your kids will figure out how to use these programs. Some of them already know, and you can kind of teach, you know, if you give them the task and then you come about around the classroom, one of the outcomes of the pandemic is students who were using technology are more tech savvy when it comes to building in it. And so teachers can kind of rely on that a little bit and get kids doing things much quicker than we might have in the past. And it's really important not to let that go, not to say, well, I'm more about having my kids communicate and collaborate. I want, I have so much that I need to 
teach because they missed out on so much that we drop all these good things that they have. They have the technology skills. Many of them right now, they have the ability to communicate and collaborate and be doers and actors and, and try things on. And I think it's really important to remember that. What goes along hand in hand with that is this principle that they mention. They call it learners believe they aren't risking physical or psychological harm by attempting the behavior. But that goes right along with that idea of I can try it and fail. And that's a that's a good thing because I'm going to learn from that. My attempts are going to be celebrated. Just like they were saying in terms of approximations, we want to celebrate approximations. You're on the road to being great at this. You're learning things. You're helping kids to identify what it is that they're learning along the way, being real specific versus good job. I had a hard time with that one, and I'm glad you brought that one up. The learners believe they aren't risking physical or psychological harm by attempting the behavior. I thought a lot about these new students that we have. We're seeing a lot more risk-taking in our youth than we have before, both physically and emotionally. In some ways, they are putting themselves out there more. I was really, I kind of struggled with, and I wondered, do I agree with that or do I not agree with that? It brought me into thinking about, even like in PE classes, students may push themselves a little harder to do something. It may give them physical harm, but they, they're still going to try to do it. I don't know. Did either of you have any real thoughts on that? I do. I think of that harm as being more of a environmental classroom climate type of condition where you're setting up a container for social engagement within your classroom where students feel safe in taking those risks. So rather than pointing out constantly what students can't do to them, we're taking an assets-based approach and telling them, this is where you're at. This is your next step. You have to trust that the students can do it as well. Teachers are so, or many, I'm not going to say all teachers, but I think many teachers are so concerned about getting through the curriculum again. There's a lot of pressure on them to do that. A lot of pressure for them to make sure students are making gains in knowledge that they're for getting about the soft skills that get them to that point. So students have to be able to communicate with each other. They have to be able to get on technology again, you know, despite concerns about screen time and, and all of that. I really think that risk comes in from understanding it's okay to struggle. It's okay to not understand something the first time. And I really like the fact that they talked about multiple opportunities to engage with the content in different ways, because that makes me think of universal design for learning and how important it is that we give them multiple representations, multiple ways of showing their learning and multiple ways for them to have those learning opportunities where they're the driver. I thought of it that way. So in that sense, I do agree that it's, it is an important condition for there to be engagement, but I think it's up to the teacher to structure the environment in a way that allows those things to happen. And sometimes I think that means, yes, there's a lot of pressure, but as professionals, we have to really begin to sift through how do we balance getting through the, the content with some of the needs my students have are social emotional needs. They are how I interact with other students the fact that I can get up in front of a classroom. And I think we've seen this in some of the design thinking work that we've done, that students are more hesitant in some, some classroom environments 
to get up and talk in front of their peers. And I think it's just that they're not in the practice of doing it anymore. And so we need to be making sure that they, in person, they are getting those opportunities to be seen and heard. They can't turn off the camera. They can't just write something in the chat and engage that way, which is not a bad thing necessarily either. But when you're in person, you know, we kind of have to give them multiple opportunities to have. I like what you said about multiple opportunities. And I think that's where ed tech comes in, Mm -hmm. that that does set up that safe environment. So if I'm a student, I may do better in oral communication. It's all about the multimodalities rather than writing a paper. Maybe I I tape myself, I do a flip grid, or if I'm a student and I do better working in a group, I can do that with Zoom and Google Docs now. It's nice that technology does give that extra support to students to find out what they do well. And maybe that's where it comes in for me, where they believe they're not risking harm because there's something there for everybody. I mean, okay, so maybe I'm, I am being asked to do something in writing, but I know there's also the opportunity for me to do it in a video. For me personally, I'd rather write. But if I knew that I, if I had to do something in a video, if I had to get in front of a group and speak, it's probably not gonna be my best thinking or my best write. I would rather write things down as I'm stumbling through my words right now. Just knowing that there's these other ways that you can show your knowledge makes it a safer environment. I have more I have more chances, I have more opportunities. My grade is not all or nothing based on this one paper that I'm writing. Absolutely. I think that also goes hand in hand with that other principle of engagement that they've identified, which is learners like, trust, respect, and want to emulate the person doing the demonstrating, all connected with the kind of classroom culture that we as educators are building together with the students rather than for the students because then they feel that they're an active part of it as well not just oh well you know my teacher says that we do this as the teacher gets to know the students and the students get to know each other and we're building this community where it's safe to take those risks I like the people that I'm around on a daily basis, and I know they like and honor and trust me. That reciprocal relationship we're building in classrooms also is an underpinning for all of this engagement. We've walked into classrooms where there isn't a whole lot on the walls. However, a teacher has built tremendous relationships with kids. What the kids are able to to produce and the learning that's going on in the classroom is far superior to maybe a classroom where it's really pretty. And I was totally guilty of this. Some of my years teaching early on, spent so much time on the walls in my classroom rather than on that culture that I was wanting to build with the students. I agree. I have no design skills at all. (laughs) When I first started in ed tech and being so motivated by the tools and not really thinking about the why, I thought, engagement was just compliance or the fact that all the students were being entertained. And I didn't really think about what the objectives were. And it was my excitement over learning all of these tools. So I had my students doing this tool called Director. And how is that any different from just putting it on a note card? Or I don't know how many of you remember HyperCard. Like, how how was that different than just putting it on an index card? And sometimes I think, like you brought up Kahoot before, 
you see your students wanting to do Kahoot, but what are they really learning? Is it really taking them deep? For me, that engagement has to always be coupled with objectives. And am I using good pedagogy? And I think it's also having options for kids because we want to honor each individual child's journey and where they're at on that journey. That Quizlet may be incredibly engaging, even though you're only doing it for five minutes for a certain child, Mm -hmm. because that's where they're at and it really meets them. We've got to make sure that we know kids really well and that we're constantly checking in with them on how it's working for them and getting them to reflect on their learning and, and what makes the most sense for them. How does it feel? Is it feeling good? Is it getting sticky? Is it feeling too easy? You know, all of those things I think are really important when we're choosing things. And so having options, and I think technology is a really great way to expand that repertoire, kind of tying back to what you were saying with UDL, making sure that there's options for every single kid that meet them where they're at currently and help them with that growing edge. And if you think of what that says to students, really, you know, we talk about building trust with your instructor. You're saying to kids when you give them options, I know kids don't all fit into one box. And if you're not fitting into this one box of, hey, this is how we teach and you should be learning, I'm providing opportunities because I know kids are not just one person. There's variability. There's To me, that means that you're celebrating the fact that there are different ways of learning. There are different ways of showing knowledge. And that, to me, sets up a more inclusive environment than saying, okay, we're all going to write an essay today. And I'm sorry for those of you who are not good writers, but this is a skill you have to learn to fit into society today. And to some extent, yes, you have to learn how to write, but it shows that you're interested in what they're saying. What do they know? If I'm giving you a variety of ways to show it, to me, that's, again, it's more inclusive. It is a much more accepting environment. And I think it says a lot to students in a way that is very um, not said. (laughs) I can't come up with a better word than that, but it's that kind of um, unspoken consent that, hey, we're all different and it's okay. I would like to know ways that we have actually seen great engagement with technology, especially since the pandemic has happened. Yeah, I was working with a group of students that were learning about the local canyons nearby them. This was in conjunction with the museum, Belleville Park area. They took 360 images and they wanted it to be an immersive experience so that they could bring people into that area of San Diego with them. And the students became the guides, knew their audience was going to be this other elementary school that was nearby. And they were going to have a time when they met up with those students to show their knowledge. So they were so excited about putting together these guided tours in 360 environments, virtual reality, but environments for them, they were having to do writing. They were having to talk with the experts from the museum on Zoom. They were creating Google Maps to map out the locations where the the 360 bubbles were. I thought students were excited about it, they were engaged, and they were learning a lot in the the construction of all of that. The novelty of the tool, yes, but the way that the teacher brought in various tools to help support their learning, they were researching online, they were taking knowledge and putting it into slideshows, which then got pulled into this 360 environment, and then they actually got to, to take students through those tours. And that seemed very engaging to me. I thought it was a great use of technology that you couldn't do without that technology. I recently got to experience some kids who were reading some comic book, different comic books, but on the same topic. 
and they were at different reading levels to match kids' needs, etc. And the teacher had set up an opportunity to talk with the illustrators of some of those、um, comic books. And hear about how they created them. Part of the reason why the teacher had chosen to do that was because they wanted to help kids in their writing. So it was not just, "Hey, we're reading these comic books and strengthening our reading muscles," but we're also strengthening our writing muscles because illustrations are so incredibly important in comic books and actually move the story forward. So the teacher really wanted the kids to learn how to use their illustrations in their own books, so that when they went to writing. They were thinking about the word choice that they were using to develop the scenes that they were writing about. It was a really awesome crossover, and the technology that was used was Zoom. I recently was in a local San Diego school. They were doing design thinking, and this particular group was researching bringing snacks onto their school. These students were so engaged researching nutritional value of the snacks, getting pictures of the snacks. Putting their proposal on a slide presentation, these students were working together so well in a group, and they were collaborating. And what was really the phenomenal part about this was that these students in the group were English as a second language, and they were participating and working. And they were able to use Google Translate on certain words that they didn't know, and it was just showing this level of engagement that they would not have had without that technology. What I loved about it was the technology was an enhancement to the design thinking process. So the objective was that they were to research a way to better serve their students at their school. And they felt that bringing snacks back was a way, but along the way, they were using technology to learn how to do that, and that was a really great program to be witness to. I remember Alicia in that room. Another cool thing in using Google Translate, like you said, their slide deck was—they had both English and Spanish. And I can't—I think they presented in Spanish, but that allowed them to get in front of the class. Speak in a language that was comfortable to them, and the students in the room had the English words written on the slides, so they were everyone was able to participate. It was such a good use of technology. That was one of my favorite experiences this past year, sitting with those students and watching them be engaged. And I think and, that was a good a, a good example of how engagement could look very different for all students. It, it it stemmed out of a really easy, simple question, and they were able to dive deep in. I think the underlying motivation for them to do it too is it was. Coming from their own ideas, what they wanted to see change on campus. We talked a lot about being doers, and you're right; it gave them the opportunity to ask for some change that they'd like to see in their school and present that in front of a person who has the ability to make that change. I really, really appreciated this chapter on engagement. It's part of conversations with teachers almost on a daily right now. COVID definitely being. Online with everybody, engagement was definitely a part of that conversation, and it has definitely continued this year with people coming back to schools and and teachers, parents, everyone is talking about engagement. I hope everybody gets a chance to listen to this episode and read this chapter, if not the whole book.
If you'd like to join us for future podcasts or catch up on previous episodes, you can go to our podcast website. The short link for that is bit.ly slash edtechnow. So that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash edtechnow, all lowercase letters. Or you can check us out at edtech.innovatesd.org. See you soon.